kindness and goodness in our life. Amen. The Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter number 17, and we'll read some very familiar verses and just couldn't get away from these thoughts uh, when preparing for the messages uh, this morning. Amen. Luke, chapter 17, and we'll begin reading in verse number 11. If you're willing and physically able and would like to do so, let's stand together as we read Luke, chapter number 17, and verse number 11 this morning. The Bible said, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now, I'll pause right here. Uh, this little verse 11, between verse number 10 and verse number 11, a lot of things have happened. Between verse 10 and verse 11, Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. And now he is on his way to Jerusalem for the final time. And verse number 12 says, And as he entered into a certain village, there met him... Ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? Now when the Lord asks a question, he's not looking for information. How can you tell a man something that knows it all anyway? But he's making a point. But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith have made thee whole. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this portion you've directed us to. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would touch these verses, that you'd use them, Lord, to speak to our hearts as you spoke to my heart about them this week. And I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in all that's said and done. May we see no man save Jesus only. What you do, we'll thank you, and we'll give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I appreciate you for standing while I read the word of the Lord and prayed together. Do keep your Bible open because we'll be staying in these verses this morning. We know, as I mentioned a moment ago, I want to mention about five or six things and get, get, get to my point and, and we'll go eat some lunch. But I want to notice, first of all, there is a direct course we see or a divine course in verse number 11. The Bible says it came to pass that as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Jesus is, went to Jerusalem many times. He has passed through there. But this particular time, he is going to Jerusalem. He is going there for the final time. Because when he gets to Jerusalem, he will be betrayed and he will be crucified for the sins of the world. It's interesting, though, after Luke chapter number 9, it is mentioned multiple times that he was going to Jerusalem. Somebody said, Preacher, what is the big deal? Well, in Luke chapter number 9 is the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus was transfigured before his disciples. And God spoke out of heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, and whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him, is what he told Peter. And there on the top of Mount Transfiguration, he was pronounced to be 
be a good man. But thank God he did not go to heaven for Mount Transfiguration. But he had another mount that he was going to. And that was Mount Calvary. See, a lot of religions, they'll say that Jesus was a good man. They'll stand on Mount Transfiguration and say, yeah, he was a good man. But I tell you, at Mount Calvary is where he proves that he was the God man. Amen. He is the Son of God who gave his life. And aren't you glad there were times he could have stopped? There were times he could have quit. But thanks God, he kept on going towards the cross. Amen. He didn't come to heal the sick, although he did. He didn't come to raise the dead, although he did. But he came for one goal, and he came for one purpose, that is to seek and to save that which was lost. A direct course. Notice a deadly condition in verse number 12. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. You understand in the Word of God that leprosy is a type and a picture of sin in the Word of God. We know these men were defiled. The Bible said there were ten men that were lepers. This is a dreaded disease. They tell us that leprosy, it goes deeper than the skin, and it defiles and it spreads. But I was reading this week and I heard a man make this read a man and heard a man make this statement he said the bad thing about leprosy it is a painless killer in other words and you would think somebody with leprosy who's having their limbs eaten off their body by this dread disease you would think it'd be painful but it's not now, ain't that the way sin is? Sin is eating you up from the inside out, and you don't think it's hurting you. You don't think it's caused you any trouble. But just like leprosy, sin works from the inside out and tries to contaminate and destroy your life. These men were defiled, but these men were distant. The Bible said, which stood afar off. That Levitical law stated that if a man or a lady had leprosy, and we really only know about three people in the Old Testament that had leprosy. That was Miriam and Naaman and Moses. And Moses was just, uh, he stuck his hand in his coat. It was leprosy. He stuck it back in his coat. It was it was cleansed. It was assigned to the Jews. But here's the point. Leprosy wasn't as common as what you think it is. So I said, preacher, it seems like a lot of people in the Bible had leprosy. And, and, we, and it's not that big of a deal now. Not really. It was just something that was in that Middle Eastern culture and it still is in certain parts of the world today but I tell you sin is not cultural Sin infects everybody. No matter what your nationality is, it doesn't matter what your background is. Sin can, has affected every life in this room this morning. And because they were defiled, those that had leprosy, they could not be with their family. Ain't that what sin does? It separates families and it breaks up homes and it ruins marriages and it tears apart churches and it does awful things to families and homes and it separates. That man could no longer live with his wife and children. He can no longer work his job. He can no longer go to the market and buy food and buy supplies that he needed but he had to live in what was called a leper colony and he had to stand back and if somebody came near him, Dr. Fauci would be so happy he'd have to have a mask on and he had to say unclean, unclean stay away from me because he was worried and it was such a dreaded and contagious disease a whole lot more worse than COVID somebody say amen right there and so, so this, 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 they were distant, they stood afar off 
May I remind you, that's where every sinner is this morning without God. In fact, Ephesians said we were a far off. We were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Grace read that the other night. She said, there are aliens in the Bible. I said, yeah, we were the aliens, amen, the Gentiles. Uh, and some people look more like an alien than others. But anyway, I, I, why did I look at Brother Tony and Brother William when I said, I'm so sorry, I don't even have my glasses on. I couldn't tell who I was looking at. I, there we go. God bless you. But what I'm saying this morning, we were strangers. We were cut off. We were away from God. Why? Because Sin separates us from God. A direct course, a deadly condition. Notice a desperate cry. Look at verse 13. Oh, I love this now. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Notice they called out to the Master. Jesus, Master. Obviously, they had knowledge of who Jesus was. I don't know how they knew who Jesus was. I don't know how they knew that Jesus had the power over leprosy. It could have been there that man over in Mark 1 who Jesus touched and healed of his leprosy. Walked by him one day and said, Hey, boys, if you ever meet a man by the name of Jesus, if Jesus ever passes by your way, call out for mercy. He's the one that changed my life. I don't know if that was the case, but somehow they knew that Jesus was a man who could have a mercy on them. He called for the Master, and they called out for mercy. Amen. And by the way, mercy is never deserved. Otherwise, it wouldn't be mercy. They cried out to the Master, and they cried out for mercy. Notice a distinct command in verse number 14. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. This command the Lord had given these men was that command given by Moses in Leviticus 14. If a man had been, had been, uh, uh, thought he'd been healed of leprosy, he was to go to the priest for that examination. And, and he would go to the priest and that priest would, uh, look him over and do some tests. And if that man had been cleansed from that leprosy, and I preached on this before, but that ceremony would take place where he'd take two doves and he'd take the life of the one dove and drain his blood in a basin and take the, take the live, uh, dove and dip it in the blood of that other uh, of the blood of the one who gave his life and then set that dove free and he'd fly off and that blood would splatter all over that man who'd been declared cleansed. Do you not see the picture of salvation? How that one died so the other one could go free? That's exactly what Jesus did for us and we didn't get saved because we joined the Baptist church or because we, because we are a better person or do good deeds but we got saved because we put our faith and our trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Now, I can't be too critical about these men in Luke chapter number 11, or Luke chapter 17, and verse number 14, because what they were doing was they were responding in faith. Leviticus 14, going and showing themselves to the priests, it was not to be done, Brother Rich, until they thought they were clean. But they know in this text they are not clean, they are lepers. But Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. So what they had to do, they had to respond to the word of Jesus by faith. No, the disease was still there. But you know what they did? They just obeyed what Jesus said, and by faith they obeyed. I'm telling you this morning, we are not saved by feelings. We're not saved by emotions. But we are saved because we responded by faith to what the word of God says. A lot of people waiting on a feeling, waiting on an emotion, waiting on chills that go up and down your back. Don't worry, it ain't going to happen. I was talking to a preacher friend of mine this week on the phone, and we were talking about this very subject uh, about uh, faith and about feelings, and, and Lord's really had me burdened about this here lately. Uh, I, I'm telling you, we are not saved based on how we feel. 
because I always don't feel saved. I always don't, I always don't feel like a Christian. Amen. But I'm saved not because of how I feel, but because of the faith that I have in this book and the faith that I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, I learned about Jesus Christ from this book. Amen. This book is valuable. This book is precious. And we ought to live our lives by it. Amen. They responded by faith. If an individual is going to be cleansed from their sin, they got to respond by faith. Let me, and I know I'm beating a dead horse, but let me hit him two or three more times. I'm telling you, we've got people in our good, fundamental, old-fashioned churches that have heard preachers preach for years. And I've been guilty of preachers say goofy things all the time. Praise God, if you don't feel something, I don't know it. That's dumb. And if I ever say that, say, oh, preacher just got carried away, being goofy again. Because I've been in services where everybody else felt something, and I didn't feel a thing. Hello? I mean, and you, here's what you you go out of that service thing, man, that preacher said he felt blessed, and since so-and-so got blessed, both so-and-so got blessed, I must not even be saved because I didn't feel anything. Hello? Anybody ever been there? Been there, done that, got the T-shirt? Hello? That ain't why we're saved. That ain't how we know we're born again. Praise God. I, I understand. We sing the song. I like the song. Do you know how it feels? That's talking about the peace of God. Uh, uh, that song's not talking about an emotion. It's talking about peace and satisfaction in Jesus. But we don't live because, because we felt a chill down our spine or because we're happy and got joy. Because I'm telling you, the world can steal your joy. They can steal your happiness. They can try to disturb your mind. But I tell you, they can't change what that book says and they can't change what God says. You base your salvation on the Word of God. If you have believed the gospel, if you believe that Jesus died and he rose again on the third day and you have put your faith in Jesus Christ it ain't the words you said in your prayer it ain't if you went to an altar or not it's not if you joined the church you've been baptized. It is putting your faith in Jesus. I've struggled with my salvation. I know some of y'all are shocked by that. Well some of you ain't. You've heard me talk about that. Am I really saved? But every time I've struggled with my salvation, I've based it on emotions. Hello? I believe this book. And I believe that Jesus... I've got so much ground to cover, but let me just hit this. I believe Jesus died and he rose again. And I place my faith not in my church membership, not in me being a better person, but I place my faith in Jesus Christ alone. And that's how I know I'm saved. I'm not going to hell, but if I go to hell, I'm going to hell holding on to a King James Bible, believing every word of it. And, believe, and I, that, by the way, that won't ever happen. Hey, and I'll let you in on something too. A sinner that's seeking God and wanting to be saved, God ain't going to let them go to hell. Amen. People worry about their children. Are they ready? Are they ready to be saved? Are they ready? I tell you, a child who's seeking God that wants to know God ain't going to let them babies go to hell. Amen. God's going to work in their life. Amen. I'm telling you, this, these men had distinct command, and they responded by faith to that command. You know, anytime, anytime we base our salvation on what we're doing, we're going to doubt. Well, if I saved, I wouldn't have done that. You ever read Peter? You ever heard about Peter? He cussed the Lord, denied him. Three times. That's pretty bad. I'm pretty sure you hadn't done that. Peter's saved. 
Amen. You ever, I mean, look at David. You know, we, we put David up on a pedestal, but David's a creep. Lied, had a man killed so he could have his wife. And David had the sheer mercies of the Lord. Now, I believe if you're saved and, and you do wrong, there's going to be chastisement. God chastises those that are His. But I tell you, if, if, if you know you're saved, it shouldn't be on a feeling. She based on the faith and the word of God. I gotta hurry. There's a definite change. As they go, as they watch this, as they respond by faith, Brother Tony, as they went, they were cleansed. Amen. As they responded by faith, they had no guarantees that if they went to the priest that they'd be cleansed of their leprosy. They had no guarantee. But they believed what Jesus said. And so, amen, because they believed, as they went, they realized something has changed. Something is different now. I am not what I was. Amen, that's right. There was a definite change. But here's what I want to get to. This is Thanksgiving week. I'm interested in this deliberate choice. Look at verse 15. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet. Watch these three words. This is my title this morning. Giving him thanks. You know that giving him thanks. We turn around thanksgiving, same idea. This man comes back to the Lord to say thank you. Now it's interesting, ten were cleansed, but only one come back to say thank you. Could we say ten were saved, but only one was thankful for it? Could it be in our churches that truly only one out of ten people are really thankful? Boy, I'd hate to know that was the case. I'd hate to know that I wasn't one of the ones that was thankful. You know, the book of Romans has a list of a lot of wicked sins. A lot of wicked sins. You know, we want to preach on the sodomites, and, and we should, and preach against that sin there in Romans 1. But you know what sin is kicking off that list? Unthankful. Brother Eddie Davis says that unthankfulness is the first stop sign on the road of being a reprobate. Being unthankful. Neither, they didn't glorify God, neither were they thankful. 2 Timothy chapter 3 talks about in the last days, men shall be lovers of their own, own, own self. And he goes through that list. And you know what one of the things is? Unthankful. Unthankful. Warren Wearsby said, an unthankful heart is the fertile soul for all kinds of sin. In other words, when you, when you and I become unthankful, even after we're saved, it is preparing ground for more sin to grow in our life. I want to say three things about this man's thankfulness in our text. First of all, I want to say a word about the beauty of his thanksgiving. When I see this leper who had been cleansed coming back and giving the Lord thanks, to me it's a beautiful sight. Here's why. Number one, the individual discovery. And one of them, when he saw, he was healed. Ain't it interesting? He knew it before everybody else did. When he... Didn't say when everybody else saw. When he saw he was healed. I'm telling you, when you realize the change that Jesus made, everybody else may not know it right off, but you know when your faith is in Jesus Christ, you know things are different. I am not the same anymore. Something has changed on the inside of me. Individual discovery. The implications discerned when he saw he was healed. When that man realized that he had been healed of his leprosy, he realized my life 
is completely different. His life was now different. He's no longer a leper. His location is now different. He don't have to live in the leper colony anymore. He can go back to the house. His family has been put back together. Why? Because he responded by faith to the Word of God. His language is different. He was crying out, unclean, unclean. Oh, but now he's saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You remember when you was lost without God, your language did not, your vocabulary didn't have the words, amen, hallelujah, glory to God, thank you, Jesus. None of those words were in your vocabulary. But look what Jesus has done now. you got a Bible in your hand and a smile on your face and peace in your heart. And you're saying things like, amen, glory to God, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, you're singing songs that you never heard before out of a songbook, but you're singing like you've done them all your life. Why? Because they change. Hallelujah. A change is taking place. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. There has been a change. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. I tell you, that man's coming back. I don't know what that leprosy had done. I don't know if it's taking away his foot or his arm, but I see him dragging himself back. Amen. Everybody else has run off, but here's a man that sinned, has taken everything away from him, but he's dragging himself back. Where you going? I gotta go tell him, thank you. Amen. Some of you might have dragged in here this morning. Sin had scarred you. Sin had ruined you, but you drug yourself in here this morning to say thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. You see that leper? He may have had to, I don't know how bad he was. He may have had to crawl back. He may have been, he may have, he may have not had a hand. He may not have had a hand to raise. I don't know. But I do know this. He was coming back to say thank you. And there's the beauty of his thanksgiving. Then I want us to see the intentional decision. He turned back. When he realized, I've already preached it, but when he realized, I am not the same. He turned back. Oh, my. And aren't you glad when you, maybe you got saved at church, maybe you didn't, but when you got saved, aren't you glad you, turned, you come back? I ain't got much time for folks to get saved and never come back. I mean, they get so much God, they don't need them no more. <laughs> I found out I'm a really good preacher, Brother Travis. Some people can come hear me one time a month, and they're good. I must be that good. <laughs> Give them everything they need in one 30-minute service, say, man. That's how I'm looking at it. Leave me alone, all right? But you know what he did? He made a decision. He, this man, he didn't have to give me the... By the way, Jesus didn't have to save you. He wanted to save you. And he looked this man's direction and he healed him. He responded by faith. And here comes that man, maybe dragging a foot, maybe, maybe trying to get himself over there. Excuse me, sir. Jesus, master, excuse me. I need to say thank you. The beauty of this Thanksgiving. Secondly, the boldness of this Thanksgiving. Now, here's where we struggle. You know, we don't mind, you know. Thank you, Jesus. You know. This man wasn't like that. Notice it was a public expedition, a public exhibit. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back. Now, I believe in private thanksgiving. In other words, I believe every time you pray, you ought to be thanking the Lord. Amen. But the Bible says, talk about Philippians 4, and everything by prayer and thanksgiving and supplication make your request be made only to God. In other words, he said, when you pray, you ought to have thanksgiving in your prayer. Amen. So there is a time for private thanksgiving. But in this text, he ain't doing it privately. 
He wants everybody to know that he's thankful. That's the kind of service we're going to have tonight. We're going to give you an opportunity to let everybody else know you're thankful. Amen. It was a public exhibit. The Bible said we're to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. A public exhibit, a proclaimed expression. And with a monotone voice, with a loud voice, he glorified God. I know everybody ain't wired up like I am, and I feel sorry for you. I have fun. I have a blast. I mean, I, I enjoy being around myself. I really do. I'll just sit in the truck riding down the road and just start laughing. Ain't nothing on the radio, just me, and I'll just start laughing. I have a good time. Amen. I'm, I mean, I'm around me anybody, more than I am anybody else. Might as well have fun. Amen. But this man publicly... Man, I know I'm loud. That's what I was getting to. I know that. I know I'm loud and outspoken. I know that comes to a shock to some of y'all. Thank you. Y'all are so kind, so kind. Uh, hush, hush, we. It was loud though. I tell you, we, we me and Daxon watching the ball game last night, and and you know we're we're big Georgia fans. Praise God. And, and, and all of a sudden that Will Levis, that Kentucky quarterback, threw the ball down the sideline and. I'm like, oh, no, this is bad. And our, our uh, safety, Keely Ringo, number five, he intercepted the ball. What did me and Daxon do? We didn't say, yeah. <laughs> no, we both come up off the couch hollering. And Judas sitting on the floor. She starts clapping her hands. Like, praise God. Train up a child in the way she should go. That's right. She got excited, excited, running through the house. And Grace said, oh, Lord, help us all. <laughs> I'm like, yes, you get to aggravate Keith Falls. We beat the Kentucky Wildcats again. Amen. I got, you know, them people at a ball game with a loud, they, they, they get loud about it. And I'm not talking about being goofy, but I'm saying he was bold. He wasn't ashamed. Y'all not be ashamed of Jesus saved you. Y'all not be ashamed of what he's done for you. I tell you this morning, we all pick around. We all have bad days. I know we all have days where we complain. But I tell you, when you really want to boil it down, we don't have much to complain about today. God's been good to us. God's been very favorable to us. He's been kind to us. And we all should have no problem when we sing to lift up our voice, when we testify to speak up for the Lord, to say amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Why? It was a bold expression. Notice it, notice it was proper etiquette. So I said, well, these people that shout and holler and praise the Lord, they're trying to bring attention to themselves. Not this man. Watch what he does in verse 16. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. See, thanksgiving involves praising the Lord like this and like this. Thanksgiving involves lifting your hands and bowing your knees. Amen. There's some people, they just want to, and I sound like I'm unpreaching everything I just preached. I'm not. You've got to have a balance. Some people, they want to holler at church and not do anything out in the world, and they don't ever pray and they never read the Bible. That ain't right. Amen. And I have found the people that pray and thank the Lord in private and walk with God, they have no problems testifying about it down at the church house. Amen. It was proper etiquette. Personal effectiveness. The Bible said, and he was a Samaritan. That makes a big difference in this text because Jesus had told these men to go show themselves to the priest, a Jewish priest. This Samaritan, he's a half-breed. I hate to put it like that, but that's what he was. He don't have access to the priest. He can't go to the priest. He's a Gentile. So what did he do? He went back to the great high priest. He couldn't go to the priest there in Jerusalem. He couldn't go to Caiaphas. Oh, but he could go to Christ. 
who was much higher than Caiaphas, who was the great high priest, amen. And aren't you glad no matter what your background is, who you are, who your mom and daddy is, what side of the tracks you're from, you can find a place at the feet of Jesus. The beauty of this Thanksgiving, the boldness of this Thanksgiving, but lastly, the benefits of this Thanksgiving. Now, we always think that Thanksgiving is something we're giving and we don't get anything in return. But may I encourage you this morning in our text, this man received some things because he was thankful. Number one, there's the benefit of closeness. The Bible said he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. F.B. Meyer said his healing brought him closer. His healing brought him to Jesus. But his thanksgiving brought him closer to Jesus than he'd ever been before. Did you get a hold of that? His healing brought him to Jesus. Master, have mercy on me. But his thanksgiving got him at his feet. There's a lot of people that's been saved, but they've never got at his feet. I'm going to tell you what thanksgiving will do. Thanksgiving will get you closer to Jesus. When you come before God with a thankful heart, and a thankful spirit and a sincere appreciation for what he's done for you, it'll get you closer to Jesus. In fact, Galatians, or excuse me, Ephesians 5 teaches us that one of the signs that someone is filled with the Spirit is they're giving thanks for all things. They're thankful. I'm going to tell you what, uh, you know, when, you, when you're training your children, raising your children, and you buy them things, especially this time of year, Daxon's big into baseball cards, and we, we enjoy doing that. It's a little hobby we have buying baseball cards together, and I found some stuff on eBay this week, and he wanted an Austin Riley and a Kenley Jansen, and what was the other, a Matt Olson. That, that's what he wanted. I found those, and he didn't know I bought, I bought them. I gave it to him. His eyes lit up. Oh, thank you. It's, you know what that made me want to do? Made me want to go buy some more. Because I, I liked the Thanksgiving. I liked watching him enjoy that. That's why I like buying Christmas presents for the kids and watching them open up. Why? I like to see that excitement, that appreciation. Well, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father? If we enjoy seeing that, how much more does the Lord enjoy that? It brought closeness. It brought communion. Verse 17, Jesus answered said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Because he was thankful, he had a conversation with Jesus that the other nine didn't have. He had, he had a relationship with him. Amen. It brought consideration. Verse 18. There are not found to receive glory to God, to return to give glory to God, save this stranger. I meant to get with Miss Linda for service because I'm not an English major. I'm not even an English minor. That's exactly right. Neither are you. Don't. Mm. But this word there in verse 18, it's not T H E I R, which would indicate people. This word there, T-H-E-R-E, I looked it up in a Webster dictionary. If it's wrong, Webster got it wrong. It means a place. He said, there are not found returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. Where's the there? At Jesus' feet. Jesus stood there and said, uh, where are the nine? They're not here. Oh, I wonder how many times we come to church and the Lord says, and I know I've saved more people at Safe Harbor than that. Now, there's more safe people than that, but where, where are they? There's a few down here, but where are the rest of them? They're not at my feet. 
Oh, I'd hate that. It has been said to me, but I'd hate to, I'd hate to be, be in that position. The consideration. And then notice, what else did Thanksgiving do for this man? It brought closeness, communion, consideration, but it brought completeness. We know this, verse 19. And he said to him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, all, not, all ten were, were healed, were cleansed. But verse number 19 says this man was made whole. Here's what I believe about that. I believe if he lost a foot, God gave him his foot back. I believe God, if he, he lost a hand, his hand came back. Here's the application. Thanksgiving in your life will fill the gap of things in your life. You know, we're all, we all complain about, you know, we, we have a nice house and a nice car, but you let somebody else get a newer house or a newer car, and we start seeing everything wrong with what we have. And what we have is good. You know why? We're Americans. Amen. That's what, don't look at me like I'm the only one like that. You could have a 2022 F-150 fully loaded, and somebody pull up with a 2023 fully loaded, and you say, I'll tell you right now, them 22s ain't as good as them 23s. You know why? Because we're Americans. And we've been blessed so much. We're, we're being blessed to the point we're spoiled brats. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you how to fill that gap. Boy, I, if I had this, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. If I had that, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't because people have that and they're still looking for something else. But I'm going to tell you what to fill those gaps. When you begin to look around and you see what God has given you and you become thankful for what you have, I tell you, that old truck, it'll mean a whole lot more to you. That house, you'll say, you know what? It may not be all that, but exactly what we need. It keeps our family warm, keeps us sheltered, provides what we need. Amen? That's right. My husband's sorry, but he's better than some of the guys we know, and thank God for him. Wow, I didn't get no response on that. Amen? I tell you, you ought to be thankful. Because thankfulness will bring a wholeness to your life and fill up those gaps that have been lacking. May God help us to take the example of this man, Luke 17. And ain't it, come on, Brother Matthew, ain't it interesting? This man, Luke 17, when he come back to say thank you, Brother Steve, he didn't come and thank God for his family. He didn't come and thank God for his 